on this episode of Ask LA. Hold the people that you hold as your figureheads with landscape architecture gear and, and try to compete with their work and their impact. I think ultimately we have to do our own part in making this generation of landscape architecture even better than the last. The Ask LA podcast is brought to you by the American Society of Landscape Architects. Produced by the ASLA Emerging Professionals Committee, each episode is geared to provide information and insight into the profession of landscape architecture for students and emerging professionals. On this episode of Ask LA, we continue our talk with Andrew Sargent of Lionheart. Join us as we learn more about Andrew's journey to and through the profession. Where did you first hear about landscape architecture? I think I heard about it in high school, uh, but like didn't connect the dots. And then um, intro intro class, uh, my freshman year of college about environmental art, Spiral Jetty, Andy Goldsworthy, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, and then, um, intro classes and like uh, drawing and stuff like that. And then I think kind of just fell in love like in, in the first studio because like, it's like, all right, the the here's here's the design problem, and you know you get to you get to you get to think about this for uh, a period of time, and then think you have the solution, and then present that solution. And and what's interesting about design um, in general is that there's there's no, I think quote unquote right answer. It's just different solutions. You know, whoever whoever um, provides the solution at the time, and then it can be reinterpreted. I mean, so many places have been redesigned for, for the next generation. I think it's, it's just an interesting, interesting art form, especially in relation to, to social life. You know, it's like, um, you can do this thing and it can change someone's life in many different ways. Either kids will go there um, after school through, you know, adolescent years all the way up to graduating from college, you know, coming back to, to old, places, old places, back to their hometown. I mean, I've done that. Or people getting married or and coming, taking their wedding pictures in some great square or things like that. It's such, it's such a immense thing that could, that could take shape in so many different ways. Right. So you started school at Rutgers, right? That's, yeah. where, that's where you were. And then, uh, did I hear? Did I hear that you almost uh, gave up on <laughs> landscape architecture? Took a little yeah, break. There's a thing that I don't really talk about too often, but <laughs> <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely almost happened. I did. I did two years um, undergrad at at Rutgers, and I think I just graduated high school way too early. I was a bit of a knucklehead in high school, and definitely <laughs> my first two years in college. Um, being 17 and being away from home, like it was like studio, I, I felt very focused in, but like everything else is just so much distraction. And I think um, when I took the year off from school, um, after two years in, it wasn't like a sure shot that I was going to go back and do um, landscape architecture or, or even go back to school. To be honest, I think like I kind of fell prey. I think in that first couple months, is like working a job at the mall, and then like just being like pretty good at my job. I mean, like supervisor employee of the month in like six months, and then got uh, vacation time. I was like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> and then work part of this, like you know, but I use that vacation time to travel um, a lot. Um, so I took ended up um, going out to New Mexico to to. Um, 
to house it with a friend um, and saw White Sands National Park, um, saw like the Pink Mountains, just like did a bunch of hiking um, and another trip um, also like, like in like five days drove to from New Jersey to LA to return a car. <laughs> my, my, uh, my friend uh, dad's like old car, we're just like driving it to, to LA. <laughs> Um, so just just seeing seeing things and, and and that time off kind of just I was like well you know there's got to be like I don't want to be like a department store manager for the rest of my life that's like not a pretty cool legacy so <laughs> like but I was like if if I'm gonna go back to school to do this I gotta hit it like real real hard so I think when I went back to Temple I was just so much more focused. Um, I think I've just been focused ever since I've gone back um, with kind of this new passion and it, it gets reignited every so often, um, whether it's like meeting someone or learning something new. I mean, the fellowship was, was like a huge ignition point and I think like a turning point for me in, in my career, just um, being around um, folks passionate about something um, within the profession that's not always talked about, but then also seeing what, what can be achieved in a year time with actual due diligence. Was, I think that aspect about it was, was really rewarding. Like if you take the time to make monthly goals, weekly goals, check in and, and what can happen in the span of a year is really, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take that in, into consideration right now with, kind of I made like a goal uh, a set of goals for 2020 in terms of what I want to do and getting that done and just that rigor um, learning that within the, the constraints of the fellowship and applying that to to um, I guess my everyday life afterwards is, is something that is extremely rewarding. Right. A uh, couple things I picked up on there I want to I want to talk about. Um, one, how important do you think travel is to landscape architects to kind of expand worldview and knowledge. It sounds like, you know, those travels you did during your year off, you mentioned Istanbul earlier, it seems like it really inspires and, and affects the way you practice. For students and emerging professionals that might be listening to this, uh, how would you encourage them to, to get out there and, and experience things? Yeah, I would say 100% travel. Um, and I think one thing that I did um, that I'm trying to catch up on right now is traveling within, tra one thing I didn't do actually was traveling within the States. So I, I did study abroad in Rome, my senior year of college. And then after that, I just went on like this kick of like traveling to places in Europe, like everywhere. Um, big fan, because I have a buddy up there, a big fan of Stockholm, Sweden. I've been there like three times. I think it's like my favorite city. Um, just because uh, uh, there's just so much like to to love in that city um from like how easy public transportation is and how like a, a joy it is to ride like their subway system is like immense it's, it's actually like beautiful like like colors on, on like the stone and the escalator even the escalator is going down it's like God, you know, <laughs> the system like it makes you it's nice to ride the subway it's like almost a little adventure um but then you know just like uh the investment in public infrastructure. Like, I don't think I've been there so many times. I've, I've never seen a pothole, like ever. Um, and just seeing other places, I went, I went to Copenhagen shortly after um, 
finished working um, at Olin and then transferred to, to, to Lionheart. It took like a week vacation in Copenhagen. That was, and that's because like the design is like in your face. They're, they're not shy about it at all. Like, you know, and it's just the juxtaposition of new design things next to old is like, it's, it's super crazy. Like you'll be, you'll see all these, these, these um, old buildings. And then when you want to cross the, the water, here's like this new crazy bridge that like, you know, locks in the shape and then turns. It's like, it, and it, it's colored like bright red. And it's, it's just there. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're really into design. I mean, it shows though. It shows in the quality of life. Like design is not just like this, this absence thing that is only, um, only afforded to people who can, who can, who can actually afford it. Like design is like ubiquitous through, through their entire, um, their entire social fabric. Um, so, I would definitely, definitely travel though, a hundred percent. The second thing you touched on that I want to come back around to is, you know, that meeting people and experiencing people's passion. Um, how at an early age, did you did you get in these environments where you could meet these people? Um, I'm, I'm gonna assume and hope that ASLA maybe played a role in that. Some of the ASLA conferences and things like that. Um, so I guess let's talk talk about how important that is to you, the networking aspect of things, and 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 who's like the craziest person you met or went up and talked to that uh, you wouldn't have expected to meet. You know, let's, let's talk about that kind of networking stuff. That's interesting. Um, so. I think I think generally it's it's relatively easy to meet landscape architects, um, <laughs> whether locally or nationally. Like, I mean, if you've gone to the conferences, um, I think it's generally most people are really friendly. <laughs> I've never like walked up to someone and like, like wouldn't have a conversation to me. There's all types of happy hours too. Makes it a little bit easier. Um, but I think. Um, I think people people are just generally responsive within the profession. Like, like even the session that that I that that uh, we ended up submitting, like this came, like the person that I got connected with Escape was a friend that I met at the Philadelphia con conference. Basically, sent an email. That person uh, wasn't the right person, but they connected me to the person that was. Now they're on my team. Uh, someone that I met from. The, Diversity Summit in DC last year from Sasaki. I asked her, I was like, hey, you guys got something going on. And then they connected me. So like, I mean, that session was just straight through connections. I didn't have, like, I didn't have the people to, I knew I wanted to do something again on VR. So it's like, I didn't even have the people to kind of bring this idea together. And that was just straight off. So, you know, I think most people are generally responsive. I mean, hopefully I'm responsive too. Like if you hit me up and have some kind of question about technology, hopefully I respond in a timely manner. But I feel like most people, whether it's a direct or um, online, um, people are just generally responsive. And especially if you if you just take the time to to like write out what you're interested about, people are just generally responsive. I mean, ASLA, LEF, of course, um, connecting you connect during the fellowship connecting um, you to people that um, where they're aligned with your specific um, interests or um, who just wanted to help you out you know who didn't do, who couldn't do something for you outright but like hey I know a person over there that can help you out or something like that generally I mean the response is generally warm um, for most prof professionals um, 
I think two people uh, that come to mind in terms of like meeting them. One person I, I really want to meet is Peter Walker. I've been like really like diving into his work recently. But like I guess someone like in that same category is like just conversations that um, I think I've had with 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 Lori. Um, or like one specific conversation was like really illuminating um, in terms of some of him talking about some of my favorite projects that he's done and getting the backstory on a lot of those things. It's, it's like really crazy, you know, like we talked about Columbus Circle for like um, maybe 20 or 30 minutes. That was one of my favorite projects. And it was just like, like how he came up with the idea, like even seeing some of the like early early models that like I'm, I'm not sure most people don't exist you know um, it's just just really really crazy stuff and I think who's not in um, landscape architecture explicitly but works alongside landscape architecture I got a recent opportunity to meet Jeff Speck who who wrote um, walkable cities um, in a trip to Miami um, we met him before but this was kind of like more of a um, it was the design charrette that we went down there for and kind of hearing his trajectory with within the career like working 10 years at uh, Duane's office and then kind of breaking away from that and then kind of doing his solo kind of thing um and then hearing him talk about the book his relationship still with DPZ and like how he was just he was just kind of this one-man band just like popping down everywhere just doing doing things it was really really amazing to, to hear care about um never thought i get like i mean laurie i mean i, I know probably would see him because i, I worked with the firm but the one-on-one -on -one conversation was definitely something that um i didn't i didn't know what happened it's really lucky for that to happen and then this most recent thing of being able to kind of like shoot shit with jeff's back like an entire weekend drinks and dinner with them it's pretty rewarding as well Landscape architects lead the planning, design, and stewardship of healthy, equitable, safe, and resilient environments. The mission of the American Society of Landscape Architects is to advance landscape architecture through advocacy, communication, education, and fellowship. Representing more than 15,000 members, ASLA is the collective voice of the profession. Membership matters. Find out more and join today at ASLA.org. Olin was your first job out of college? Yeah. What's that like your first gig being with such an iconic firm and being that adjacent to, you know, to that kind of experience? I mean, so a lot of students don't get that. How did it, do you think it changed your trajectory? Well, I think, I think it's, it's, um, you don't, you don't, um, you don't accept things that can be, you don't accept bad design or like poorly designed things like when that's your, I think when that's your first experience, because I think almost everything, we, I mean, everything we did was like always to like a team, like even projects that were small, big, it was, especially documentation. I think those are pretty heavy um, um, understanding and respect for construction documentation. I mean, um, and then also, I think, again, the ability to, to learn things. It was like, there's an active learning environment there. Um, you know, we had these things called four by fours where it's like, you know, brown bag lunches that um, 
that everyone could put together from associates to designers. And it was like this, 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 all this confluence of just always talking about design ideas, whether it was, it was that specific format or, um, happy hours that people presented full on, you know, conversations with drinks about, um, um, whether it was even to the design of like our, our, our soccer, um, shirts or other soccer shirts, uh, softball shirts for, uh, softball season. It's like, it's like this, this idea that like design is like present like all the time. It's like, you, you know, like really, um, it's hard. I haven't really gone back. There's a lot of things that I question and, you know, kind of the new environment that I work, work at right now in terms of like standards and stuff that I learned back then and right. trying to achieve, you know, like really high end design on a multifamily site where the developers are not trying to do all that. <laughs> but still having that in the back of my mind is like, all right, we gotta hit this high design like all the time. Because I think it's important. It's like high design or really good design should be accessible to everyone. Maybe you don't need to grant it everywhere, but the design thinking of like, you know, this is crafted really well, um, should be everywhere, you know, from you, uh, public housing all the way up to, to palaces, you know, it's like people should have that accessibility to, to quality thinking around public space design. Yeah. Um, what made you make the move from Olin to Lionheart? It was a combination, combination of a lot of things, really. I think, um, I think at the time, with the fellowship going on, I was, I was so, I guess I was definitely worried about um, not being able to carry the fellowship, um, the fellowship uh, um, research for. Um, after after it was over. Wow. And I think for what I've learned what I learned during the fellowship was that in order for it to be truly powerful, it has to be ingrained in, in the fabric of where where I'm working. Um, and I think that was just the chance to do that at Lionheart. Um, it was I mean we're still fairly new. We're we're doing standards for things as we go and i've been kind of lucky to to be able to like really craft thought around graphic standards um for the office um which is which is a challenge but it, i think it's rewarding because i have, have all these thoughts about how things should go but like now i'm actually responsible for doing this like a little bit more uh foot to the to the flame kind of thing but um you know i think in, in respect to a lot of new opportunities afforded here and, and, and thinking about um, all the pieces that I was missing in terms of the next step of my career, like project management experience, kind of working in with um, uh, smaller smaller teams, taking a little bit more responsibility, um, direct contact, contra uh, contact with client and contractor, um, um, seeing working on local projects too, I think that's a big thing for um, for uh, anyone entry level or um, students is like seeing the stuff that you design built. I mean, like even from the smallest thing. I mean, I think when I first got here, I was like one of the first projects is like working on this entry monument signage thing. And I was just like, like oh man, man, I just moved to Texas and now I just left like 
crazy projects back there. And I'm working on entry money and signing like, damn, I made a mistake. <laughs> it was like knee jerk reaction, right? Like, it was like, but then it's like, what a rewarding thing in the sense of like, all right, this thing is, is it's, it's signage, right? But like, I mean, this one was like huge, like in a median, like I'm almost 180 feet long. And then being able like to take sole responsibility of that and, and do the design concepts and present to the client. And now it's getting built and getting the the, um, the weekly report from the contractor and telling them like, yo, I don't want this going stack this way. And like, you know, taking a lot of ownership, but you're just seeing something even as small as that get built is just a, a reinforcement in terms of confidence for a young designer like, hey, I can do this. You know, it's, it's really important to, to be able to, to work on local projects and then, you know, in your spare time, like go drive by it see how it's weathering, take notes. Um, that's like, I think, like, that's like one of the huge things that uh, I think is a very new opportunity here. And, um, definitely looking forward to that. I got another, just did groundbreaking for another project in, in, uh, in uh, Cedar Park, which is a, it's a town north of Boston. Um, and super excited to see where that construction is gonna be and then being able to go and visit that project from time to time, lessons learned and, and see it just mature in, into a landscape, um, I think is, is a very unique opportunity that is, is very different here from the last place. Yeah, that seems like a great way to grow faster to actually experience your design in person and walk through it. Yeah. And what's, what's the user experiencing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've kind of danced around and touched a bit on the LAF fellow ship um you know it's it's come up in a lot of the conversation but tell me about the experience how did you first uh become what was the process like and what did you do to become an lef fellow um so that that's a, another story of me almost giving up and then not <laughs> giving up. uh i had i had like three, a bunch of the deliverables in order to actually like you know do the thing, you have to get the letter of intent signed by your office, the recommendations, and of course the prompt and all that kind of stuff. So I had all that kind of stuff prepared, but I was really reluctant about submitting the prompt. And then Carl, who um, who's been like a really close friend of mine, was also in the cohort. Um, was like, what do you got to lose? Like submit the thing. Like, you know, you could always submit next year. And submitted it and then got accepted. And I had all these, I mean, I think everyone had all these ideas about what they were <laughs> you know, the first uh, residency, and then I think also one one thing that they they did really well, and I wasn't expecting is that they tee off the your first weekend or your first um, residency is the last residency of the previous fellows, so it's kind of this window into what the presentation or what the, the climax of that year is supposed to be, and like. And this present, I, I mean, I, I remember like Bryce's presentation was the first presentation, and like I had like a solo tear coming down my eye. Like, <laughs> getting real, like it's the first day. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just this uh, that experience um, again was um, really really nice um, for multiple things. I mean, I I think just the support you get from um, professionals in marrying. Um, expertise and stages of career um, from 
you know, the guest facilitators, but then the folks that sit on the LAF board, um, people that I've met in the process. Like, I mean, I, I developed a, a really good relationship with Utah State University through this fellowship. Um, it sucks. Like, I mean, I had a trip planned there in April because of Corona can't go, but like, you know, we did, um, VR week last August, which was like a week long seminar for their students before fall semester started. And I mean, we're going to keep, um, uh, going at this thing because I mean, they, they just kind of understand, you know, where my head's at, um, uh-huh. in, in regards to the research. And then that wouldn't have happened, I think, without the fellowship, without that directed energy there. And then also just kind of like, um, the legitimacy that comes with partnering with certain people saying like, Hey, I, I want to partner with you to do this research on the behalf of LEF, um, you know, kind of gave you um, the kind of footing to kind of, uh, to have these conversations and take yourself a little bit more seriously. I think all of that, I think that's um, one of the big lessons learned is to take yourself a little bit more seriously or take myself a little bit more seriously in regards to, again, what can be accomplished in, in the space of a year um, with active planning and, and reaching out to people and delegating tasks and, and, and really being focused. Like so much can happen in a year. Um, and if you keep, keep that same kind of mindset, so much can happen in two years, three years, four years, five years. And you'd be looking at back at it like, oh my God, just by like thinking about it and putting plans into motion, look, look what happened. Um, so the fellowship, I mean, I would recommend it to, Anyone who has like, you know, any kind of new idea in regards to the discipline, I think, I mean, that's, I mean, the ask is not large, just if you have an idea, want to write about it, um, get your recommendations and all that kind of stuff, um, they're going to support you financially, um, and then also within within respect to, to, to colleagues that are, are really trying to push your idea forward. Um, it's a, it's a very unique space. And again, I'm really thankful for the, the folks that went through the experience with me. They're kind of still going through the experience with me. I mean, we just, everyone kind of shot a little message about the coronavirus, like craziness, just to kind of check in. Um, and we had uh, a couple of us kind of uh, started the, the nonprofit urban studio afterward uh, to kind of uh, help um, uh, keep each other's work going. Um, so I mean, it's it just it's it's a it's a experience that is just still hasn't stopped, in my opinion. I mean, it's like the, the research is still going, the collaboration with the cohort is still going, um, and of course, relationships with LAF are still strong. So, man, well, we are we're almost up on our time, if you can believe that or not. But I want to <laughs> ask you, um, you know, you're you're young, you've accomplished a lot already. So in 40, 50 years, when, you know, you're, you're ready to, to retire and hang out on the beach or whatever, um, looking back on what you've done, what would you consider a success? A lot of good built work. Um, I think, um, again, I think it's, it's, it's really important to, again get these things manifested just to like, change people's lives like you know i mean we could talk the talk all we want but we got to get stuff built to impact people's lives and change their mindsets about what the profession is or 
what a better tomorrow future can be with the, the, the impact of landscape architecture. And I think two um, is, is, is uh, really support the profession with, um, with a lot of the things that I hold dear or things that I, I can change or possibly teach people. Um, I think, um, you know, understanding that I think there was, there's a very good example of this, um, uh, uh, the recipient of, of last year's last year's LAF medal, um, just so much advocacy with, with, within the profession of supporting other individuals. Like, you know, we can run down project lists and I kind of touched on that with the built work part. We can run down project lists, but ultimately, hopefully, that the impact is, is a lot more than, you know, directly what I'm solely responsible for. I think, again, touching on like a lot of the, the folks that are part of my LAF journey, like being um, folks that I can touch on and, and, and talk to, hopefully I can be that for, for someone else too. And, and even greater than that, of course, for um, technological advancement within the profession, you know, making the research or um, new methods of design technology accessible to, to all, all, all professionals. Um, that's definitely a big goal for me. Um, uh, finding a way to just, you know, not just have the stuff be super shiny that you see every every year at national. Um, whether it's partnership with, with with schools or or different firms or some kind of um, continued work on the ASLA PPN digital technology front, like webinars, whatever, whatever it is, um, uh, being able to do that. And I think the last thing is definitely at some point, like running my own office and seeing the integration of design technology as a complete ethos within a firm culture. Um, you know, there's a lot of firms rooted in sustainability, resiliency, public uh, space making, all, all kinds of stuff that, you know, are, are big value systems within a firm. Um, I think where I sit, all that stuff is, is definitely still applicable, but I think in, and again, just my view of where human, uh, Sociology is kind of going. Technology just plays such a, a huge impact in that, and leveraging that um, with landscape architecture lens could be really powerful. All right. Well, you got a lot of work to do, <laughs> <laughs> but you got plenty of yeah, time yeah. to do it. <laughs> well, and I sure appreciate your time, Andrew. This has been a great conversation. I think it's going to be beneficial, helpful to all of our listeners. Uh, especially our young students and emerging professionals who can be encouraged um, at the impact you've made already that they can do that too. Um, any final words or encouragement or anything you want to give to the listeners before we sign off? Uh, I would say young professionals, it's, it's, it's our time to shine. You know, uh, hold the people that you hold as your figureheads in landscape architecture gear and, and try to, um, you know, compete with their work and their impact. I think ultimately, uh, you know, we have to do our own part in making um, this generation of landscape architecture even better than the last. Um, I think we have the capacity to do that. I think we have the obligation to do that. Um, and I think we just have to do that. So um, if, <laughs> if anyone needs to reach out to, to me, I'm sure my information will be on here. I love talking to people about landscape architecture. 
Um, again, the networking thing is important. If I can't get you the information you need, maybe I can point you into the right direction. If someone, if you're ever in Austin, come look us up. Um, stop by the office, see the team, um, get some brisket and some beer, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Ask LA. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask LA podcast on iTunes, Google, or your podcast service of choice to catch every episode. For more information about the great work of the American Society of Landscape Architects, check out ASLA.org.